0: Thanks, Ken, and um, I got to thank you. You guys braved this cold weather this morning to come uh, come to church, and just want to say thank you. For that, and we also should thank God we don't live in Alberta. <laughs> I used to live there, and uh, really happy every every morning that we wake up in BC. My wife and I, uh, when we first moved here, we used to high five. Oh, the, the weather here is so so much uh, so much better than Alberta, um, so we're thankful for that. But um, but I do, need to, I do need to share my gratitude with your community. Your community has been so supportive of Journey Home over the years and so supportive of refugee families. So it was great to hear kind of the, the intention uh, that Ken j- just shared around uh, making refugees a focus. And uh, for Journey Home, you participate annually in the Ride for Refuge to help us with financial needs. And uh, you've shared benevolent support for very specific needs that we present around some of the community members that we need that have that have needs, and uh, you're creating community for newcomers to Canada. You. Uh, you intentionally connect with families uh, who live at Dockside Village and other places who are new to Canada, and, and uh, it's really inspiring to see that. And just uh, a week or two weeks ago, I met Vincent. Um, had coffee with Vincent, who is working to start an ESL class here. And, and I said I'd make a plug for Vincent. He needs uh, some volunteers. So uh, if you uh, have heard about this ESL class and, and want to get involved, Vincent's your guy to talk to. So this is all really amazing. And I really appreciate what you are doing, so encouraged by your community. So thank you. And Ken and Church, thanks for sharing this time with me um, this morning. It's really an honor uh, to be here. So even though you partner with Journey Home and you've partnered for many years, I don't want to assume that you know who, who is Journey Home and what is it that we do. So I want to start there, maybe by sharing our mission. So inspired by God's love... We are creating caring communities that offer refugee claimants housing, settlement support, and opportunities for connection. So we do those three things. We do housing, settlement support, and opportunities for connection. And and who? Who do we work with? Um, the, The word, the term refugee is a big term and it's actually a bit of an umbrella term. And um, and so let's just uh, let's just look at that real quick. So a refugee simply is someone who had to flee their home country uh, to seek safety in another nation. So they've crossed a border and they're looking for safety. And because of the persecution they face, they've they've got to leave. They've got to find safety. That's that's a really simple definition. Uh, Not a legal definition, not a formal definition, a very simple definition of of who a refugee is. And there's three ways, three ways that refugees arrive in Canada. The first is through our government assistance programs. Uh, The second is through our private sponsorship programs. And in in both of these cases, refugees have fled their country, they've crossed an international boundary, they've landed in another place, and they ask for protection. They're asylum seekers, and then they go through a process of having that need for protection uh, assessed and granted, and then they become refugees. But for various reasons, they can't stay in that neighboring country. It could be that country doesn't offer residency. It could be that they don't have the infrastructure to to host a refugee population for very long. So a country like Canada designates uh, individuals for resettlement and says, why don't you come to Canada? And that's where this government assistance program and this private sponsorship uh, program uh, and this is where churches get involved through private sponsorship they organize to support they make a home ready Uh, they prepare to cover uh, a family's basic needs for a whole year so that's a financial cost and and when all those things are in place then the refugee travels to canada and they're met usually at the airport by this welcoming team uh, whether it's a government team or whether it's a, sp- a sponsor group. And, um, and, and, and the moment they land, they're permanent residents of Canada, and they know that their future here is going to be secure and safe. Uh, thankful, so thankful for Canada and what it offers newcomers uh, who come as government assisted and private sponsored refugees. And then there's a third way. The third way is the way that Journey Home works and the way that we're organized to welcome refugees. It's through a a pathway called refugee claimants. Um, Refugee claimants, just like government-assisted and private-sponsored refugees, they have the same experience of persecution. They're forced to flee. They have to run. And they cross... An international border or boundary, but actually, in this case, it's Canada's boundary. They come into Canada and they say, "We need protection." They seek asylum. Um, When they arrive, they're without a home. When they arrive, they don't have resources, and in many cases, there's not a group or a person ready to welcome them. And uh, and because of that, they are often experiencing vulnerability. They don't speak the language. They don't have the resources to to meet even some of their most basic needs. And, um, and those are, that makes them extremely vulnerable. On top of this, uh, remember they've just, they've just had a fresh experience of trauma. Usually the, the event that caused them to flee is usually very recent. And, and they've, they've left. They've lost their support networks. They've left friends and family behind. Um, and often they have to say goodbye to their, their careers, the things that are familiar to them. And they arrive with no status. Unlike the other groups that have... Permanent residency, it's that basic status and the recognition that they are asking for, that they actually are somebody who needs refugee protection. And that's the process they're going through um, in, in Canada. And, um, and it, takes, it takes time to accomplish that and to get that status in place. Um, sometimes more than two years uh, from beginning until permanent residency. It's a long road of uncertainty and anxiety for refugee claimants. So at Journey Home, this is the group that we meet. We meet them at the very beginning, in this moment of loss that they've just experienced. Uh, And we provide that transitional housing space uh, with some basic furniture. We organize all that. We do the direct settlement support. We connect them to other organizations that are offering settlement support and programming. We make referrals. Um, And we offer a community that will welcome them that will care, that will include them. And our hope is that families and individuals who arrive in this this really intense, deep moment of loss and chaos will experience dignity and welcome and will receive the help they need to move towards stability and then ultimately towards belonging and flourishing. That's what we hope for. That's our vision, and that's what we're working towards. Last week, Ken introduced uh, this series on Luke 15, I listened to that introductory sermon, and I, I learned a lot. I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed it. Thank you, Ken. Um, appreciated the teaching, the stories of the prodigal son, the lost coin, and the lost sheep, and, and through that, Ken helped to open up our understanding to God's Father heart. It was a beautiful reminder that God's heart is to seek after those who are lost. Things and people That are lost matter to God. Those were the messages that I took out of last week's sermon. So Ken last week said, God cares about restoring what is lost. Restoring what is lost is the father heart of God. And Ken taught us that on our journey of transformation as children of God, as we align with him, as we're aligning with God, our hearts are becoming more like the father's heart and then what matters to God matters to me. I, I love that. What matters to God matters to me as we become more aligned with him. So this morning, we're going to reflect on that in relation to welcoming newcomers and their experience. Um, but before we do, I just want to, just want to say a quick prayer and, uh, as, as, we, as we head into that conversation. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this community. Thank you for um, your heart, that your heart is a heart of of wanting to restore what is lost, and that you care about the things that are lost. Help us to uh, hear your words today. Help us to hear your voice as we encounter you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, last week, as uh, Ken spoke, and as I was listening to the uh, the online version of that, this week, um, it got me thinking: What does it mean to be lost? What does that mean? What does that mean to be lost? And from a spiritual standpoint, we we do understand loss. Uh, When we're outside of God's grace, we are lost, and because restoring what is lost is important to God, and because it matters to God, what did he do? He sent Jesus to execute the Father's redemptive plan of salvation. The story of redemption is so beautiful, and it's so amazing. God gave his one and only son, and the son pays the ultimate price on the cross to achieve victory over sin and death, all for you and me. The famous hymn, Amazing Grace, says it so beautifully, I once was lost and now I am found. And that's the Luke 15 story of the prodigal son, right? Leaving and being outside of his family, it was a terrible state of loss. If you, if you dig into that story, what he encountered was terrible. It was horrible. Um, and, and that was the loss part of the story. But then um, the good news is that upon returning, everything was renewed. Everything was renewed. The son who was lost is found. He was restored, and he was included. He was enveloped back into the family as if he'd never left. And, and there was a party, and there was, a, there was excitement around that. And this is our story. We were lost, and because of the cross, we are now found. Sometimes we were so lost, we didn't even know that we were lost. And, uh, and then when we encounter the grace of God, it hits us that we are found and we're included fully into the family of God. In Romans 8, it says, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to be sons and daughters, and we are God's children. It says that in Romans 8, 15 through 17. We're sons and daughters. We, we actually sang that this morning. Um, uh, I'm a child of God. Yes, I'm a child of God. We are sons and daughters adopted into God's family where we all have access to all of the spiritual blessings of heaven. And and when you say these words, it's it's actually kind of hard to wrap your mind around them. Uh, Once I was lost, just like the prodigal son, outside of the family, completely lost, and through the love of God, now I'm included, like family, including you and me who are outside of God's family matters to God. It matters to God to include outsiders in his family. And if God's father heart wasn't like this, what would that mean? Where would we be today? And, and communion today reminded me of that, coming to God's table as, as a member of his family. It's a beautiful thing. Where would we be? Adopting us as sons and daughters matters to the father heart of God. This is good news, Right? It's great news. But I think there's more layers to the good news. And uh, let's look at them. Let's see if we can go a layer or two deeper about God caring about what's lost. So I shared a little bit of what a refugee loses when they're forced to flee their country. Let me, let me say a little bit more now. Let's go a little bit deeper. So think, of, think with me for a minute. Do a little thought exercise with me for a minute. Around... What if something happened here in Canada to you and you had to leave? Imagine if you were forced to cross a border or a boundary to seek safety. What might you have to leave behind? You might need to leave your family, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your cousins. And you might need to say goodbye and maybe never see them again. That's loss. And then there's your career, your vocation. The thing that you studied for four or six or nine years to get a credential for. And it becomes a part of your identity. And, and, and it becomes a little bit of who you are and what you offer the world. And you have to ac- actually walk away from that. And you leave it. Because of a safety reason. Your career, your vocation, your financial savings, your home. Maybe you've uh, put a lot of time in building your equity in a place to live. Uh, Maybe you're, you're fortunate enough to own a home and you've built up a bank account with some savings. And for some people who are forced to flee, they can't access that anymore, depending on the country they're from. And they actually have to leave it. They have to leave all that behind. Those are things that are experiences of loss. And then leaving friends. Sometimes a friend is closer than a brother or a sister. And just like leaving a mother or a father or a brother or a sister, you have to say goodbye to a a friend uh, when you are forced out, when you're displaced. So much is lost when a person's displaced by war, by violence, by criminality, when they're forced to leave. A spiritually lost person matters to God We've chatted about that, and God includes those who are lost, adopting them as sons and daughters. But do these other states of loss also matter to God? The earthly family, the careers, the homes, the loss of identity, do those things matter to God's heart? Well, here's what I think the answer is, and I think this is the main idea that I want to share today, that God cares so deeply for you, He loves you so deeply and he loves me so deeply that that he plans to restore and renew all that is lost. He's not just going to restore and renew and save our souls and thank God that he does that, but also all of creation. In the kingdom of God, all things are going to be renewed and restored. In Revelation 21, the vision of the union of a new heaven and a new earth Is revealed. And it says in this passage three things that really stand out to me. One is that God is going to dwell among his people. And second is that he's going to wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, and no more pain. Can you imagine? And he declares, I am making everything new. This is the father heart of God. And I believe it speaks to the things that are lost in our world. Things that are lost and broken are going to be restored. They're going to be renewed. They're going to be made new again. And, and what's going to be made new? He says, I am making everything new. All of it. And if you read more in Revelation, you see the vision of the city and what this city that's being made new is going to look like. And it's, it's stunning. It's almost hard to comprehend what that might look like. When Jesus walked the earth, we see him practicing this renewal work everywhere he goes. He restores relationships, he restores dignity, he restores health. I love the stories that we read of Jesus healing the sick, the blind, and the lame, and raising the dead. It matters to Jesus that people reclaim their lost abilities to live, to see, and to walk. So he heals them. And he heals them no matter what their response is. Remember the story of the ten lepers that Jesus healed. The story uh, clarifies that actually only one of them returned to, to thank Jesus. Only one of them had that heart transformation that made him say, I've got to go back and thank Jesus. Maybe that, maybe that one had his heart healed. We're not sure about the other ten or the other nine, it's uncertain what happened with them internally. But Jesus still cared to heal all of them, all 10 of them. This shows God's heart to restore and make all things new isn't dependent on my response or I don't have to do anything in advance to experience restoration and renewal. He's just going to do the work because that's his heart. Restoration and renewal isn't only for those who are insiders or who become followers or disciples. His heart is that I am making everything new. Another quality of restoration is Jesus is going to be restoring people who were outcast, who are shamed. He takes uh, those who were experiencing the utter shame of society and, uh, and who are experiencing condemnation, and he notices them, and he gives them dignity, and he says, I don't condemn you. So think of, uh, I've got two stories to think of here. First is uh, from John 8. Uh, The woman who was caught in adultery was dragged before Jesus uh, by a mob who were ready to stone her to death. And Jesus' words caused the mob to stand down. And they left one by one. And he looks at the woman and he says to her, neither do I condemn you. And then think of the, uh, the other woman, the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. She also was an outcast woman in in her society. She was was on the outs with everybody. And she seemingly lost everything and had no hope. and, And she was taught by Jesus directly that I'm the living water, and if you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. And he reveals himself to her that as the Messiah. And she's the first person in the Gospel of John who hears that Jesus is the Messiah outside of his disciples. Isn't that amazing? So for these two women, Jesus restores their dignity and their hope and he shows them that they matter and he loves them. He tells them the truth. He cares. It's like he treats them like family, like they're his sisters. So what is God's heart for his creation and what's his heart for you and me in relation to loss and being lost? It's first of all that he's going to adopt us. People outside of the family become sons and daughters. There's healed hearts. So when there's brokenness, there's going to be no more crying, no more pain, no more mourning. There's going to be restored dignity. He says, neither do I condemn you. You matter. I see you. And there's restored health where the lame walk and the blind see. Jesus says everything is being made new. That's his heart for dealing with loss. And it's this vision that Journey Home wants to pattern its practices after. We want to try to practice these things. We practice them imperfectly, but we do our best as we welcome refugees into our community. And, but before I say more about that, I want to actually let you hear that from somebody in our community. So I'm really honoured today to have uh, Janet and Karen here. So Janet arrived in 2023 with her family, and Karen is a settlement caseworker, uh, and you guys can com- come on up, come and join us, um, is a settlement caseworker worker at Journey Home who's been walking beside Janet and-, and working with her and supporting her. So as they come up, um, Janet, thank you, thank you for being here, and, J- and Karen's going to... Um, interpret this conversation for us. Um, and maybe you can say this, uh, Karen. Janet, I just wanna say thank you. you uh, you're very courageous today to be here, and I really appreciate you sharing this time with us. And then also, Karen, thank you for helping us.
1: Good morning. Um, so yeah, my name is Karen, and I have been with Journey Home over a year. And I have, I'm originally from Colombia and I met Janet uh, in 2022, December 2022. Um, She's also from Colombia. She arrived a year and a half ago. Um, So I'm going to ask her the questions in Spanish and then translate for you. Um, ¿Qué cosas difíciles enfrentaste cuando llegaste a Canadá?
2: El reto más grande Pero dónde conseguir, dónde dormir, las próximas noches.
1: eh, Y. Tranquilo. Es esta parte.
2: Lo más difícil fue el cambio, el cambio de país, el idioma, y, y con la condición que tiene mi bebé, pues. Y sobre todo la, la soledad.
1: Okay, so I asked her what was the some things that she difficult things that she experienced when she first arrived to Canada. Uh, so first of all it was just the change of country, uh the language. Also her son Julian some has some challenges in um his autistic, so he's a lot of challenges. And oh, Most of all, uh, the loneliness that she experienced when she just moved. Ahora, ¿qué retos enfrentaste?
2: El reto más grande fue buscar dónde dormir. Eh, También una situación familiar que tuve al principio, hace un año más o menos, que me tocó ya quedarme sola con mi bebé. Y y de ahí ya fue irme para un albergue donde no querían mi bebé porque él era muy hiperactivo. Y de ese albergue nos sacaron, o sea, lo sacaron a él. Y y a él lo iba a coger el el Ministerio de Niños. Y y los únicos que me ayudaron a a buscar me mi Okay, so then I
1: asked her uh, what was one of the most difficult challenges that she experienced after a couple of months. So um, one of the difficult things they experienced was finding a place to live. In the beginning, they just went from hotel hotel and couldn't find uh, a stable home to stay with her son. And then um, there was a situation in her family where she had to live and live in a shelter for women. And she was living with her son and herself in this shelter, but um, because of who the son's behavior challenges, behavioral challenges. They asked her to leave earlier the shelter. They could, um, he was having difficulties with the kids in the shelter. So they told her that she could stay at the shelter but that they could not have the son with her. Um, And then the Ministry of Children's was going to get involved or was actually involved and was going to take, uh, separate them because they couldn't have the son in the street um, but she so that was very hard for her thinking they are going to separate me from my son I'm in a different country um, but she said that then she came back uh, came back to us and we were able to provide an apartment for her to in one of our transitional places where she was able to stay with the son and they would not separate it and found some stability in that transitional apartment. Cómo es tu vida ahora?
2: Bueno, después de después de lo del albergue, Journey Home me dio un apartamento donde vivir con mi bebé. Gracias a Dios no me separaron de mi bebé, que era lo más duro. En ese apartamento conseguí estabilidad, conseguí todo lo que no tenías al momento y estoy muy contenta ahí estaba estaba muy contenta viviendo ahí hasta que ya nos pasaron aquí para Richmond y aquí ya estoy en el proceso o sea ya mi bebé ya está estudiando ya está en su proceso entonces estoy muy contenta donde estoy gracias a Journey Home.
1: So I ask her so now after a year and how is her life different. Um, so after she's living in the shelter, he came to live with us in one of the transitional homes where she was able to settle in to uh, feel more established. And then we started working with her in other things. And Julian was able to receive more medical care uh, through busy Childrens, get tested, and is now actually able to start school I think he started in December, and now he's slowly uh, transitioned to, to being in school and has received a lot of care from the medical community. And also, she's saying that uh, she was able to move here to Richmond a couple of blocks from here, uh, and a busy housing, affordable housing townhouse uh, that, which they really Love. They really enjoyed living in that house. I remember bringing. I'm just going up script, but I just remember when we move in and Julian just saying, "I love this house," and he was just so excited to be and go up and down the stairs. And um, they're very in a very good community. Um, ¿qué te ayudó a que sucediera ese cambio en tu vida?
2: Le doy gracias a Journey Home. Porque desde que, los, desde que nos contactaron con ellos, tuvimos donde dormir. Y en especial yo tuve una estabilidad con mi bebé. Porque estábamos, primero que todo, de hotel en hotel en hotel. Y, y después de hotel, de, de shelter en shelter.
1: ¿Cómo se
2: dice? Sí, shelter en shelter, está es, <risa> es. Y y ya después de que de que ellos me dieron un apartamento ya mi bebé por lo que es autista él necesita una estabilidad después de que me dieron esa estabilidad mi bebé es diferente cambió porque él era muy agresivo conmigo a él tocaba llamarle la policía para que me dejara de pegar entonces entonces desde que él desde que Jornijón me dio una estabilidad
1: so I asked her what she think um, helped her to make those changes and she's saying that it was like she's very grateful with Journey Home for giving her the first the transitional home in the apartment after she had uh, needed to leave the shelter with her son and now being able to live here in Richmond, especially she's saying that for Julian with his autism, he needed a lot of stability, a place to not move and move and move that impacted him a lot and his behavior was very aggressive toward her and just now having been settled in one place for a long time period of time has helped change his behavior. There's still challenges but it's improving um, even able to go to school, and I think for her, just knowing that she is not going to lose Julian, that he can, she can live with Julian in a stable place, and she's very grateful for, for that and with Journey Home. Thank you.
0: Once again, I just want to say thank you, Janeth, for your courage, um, the things you shared aren't easy to share, and, um, and I, we're, we're honored that you would be, that you would trust us with that. Um, what I heard in that story is that, first of all, the journey's ongoing, right? It, it started in a pretty dark place, difficult place, but there's glimmers of hope, and there's light. Uh, that is emerging, um, things have moved from what is going to happen or can anything happen to there 's possibilities and things that have were that felt lost are being restored and renewed and um, I want to just sum things up by saying. I hope that you have a sense of how this connects to God's heart of seeking and finding things that are lost. Um, we work uh, when we want our work and the things that we practice to be aligned with the Father's heart. We want it to be a type or a symbol of what's coming when the kingdom of God comes in all of its fullness and glory. So for those who have experienced deep, deep loss, we hope that they find that things are beginning to be made new. If God does that for us, we hope that that happens for people that we encounter as believers. We do what we can to help people find the things they need to move forward again. And so here's a few things that I just want to say as summary statements. First of all, and I hope you've heard this, we want to welcome newcomers and we want to invite communities around the city to welcome newcomers like their family, treating them like brothers and sisters. So if God invites us to his table, and if God adopts us as sons and daughters, and that's his heart, and if we're becoming more like him, let's practice inviting people who are newcomers, who are, who are not familiar to us, and treat them like brothers and sisters. We want to help people who are homeless find a home, that's safe, that is dignified. We want to help those who are lonely, who have left friends behind, by offering a community where they can participate and belong, where they can find meaning and friendship. We want those who don't have any income to find resources so they can actually begin to feed their own families again and uh, and experience uh, wholeness. In, in that area of life. We want people who've experienced the loss and, and shame that comes with being displaced and, and pursued, told that actually your life does matter, and we want to treat them with dignity. And we want those who are brokenhearted and broken to experience love, and maybe as we offer love, they need more help, and so we connect people to counselors and resources for emotional healing. So last week when Ken talked about the father's heart, welcoming his son back, um, Ken used these words. The father says to the son, Welcome home. Here's my grace. Experience my grace. And he said, The family, the seal of the family is over you and over us. You're mine, son. You're mine. That's what we hope will happen with the community at Journey Home, is that as we work and as we walk with people, um, that they would experience that grace and that, that welcome. We hope that it happens in more and more abundance for people like Janet. Um, last year, uh, in 2023, was our busiest year ever at Journey Home. We, we had uh, more than 350 people go through our housing programs last year. And we want each person, every individual um, has a story. We want each per- person to experience that welcome as if they're family, as if they're brothers and sisters. We want the words, welcome home, here's a safe place for you and your family to live. You're part of a community. Come experience friendship and restoration. Come experience a community where you can meet others who are going through a similar journey and maybe a new sense of family emerges out of those relationships. Come and experience healing. Come and experience hope. We are inspired by God's deep love for us, and we want you to know the Father loves you too. Come and experience God's grace. So, thank you, everybody. I want to say, if you're interested in learning more about Journey Home, I'm going to be at the back after. Come chat with me. I have some information I brought with me, which you can take away with you. If you have questions, I like to answer questions too. Um, Karen is here as well, and my colleague Roberto is here, um, and they're around as well. My wife, Lydia, knows more about Journey Home than me, probably. She's uh, my executive director. (laughs) Thank you, Lydia, for being here, and thank you for having us this morning. Thank you.